You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. of the Podmania podcast. I am your host, Rob Gordon. I am joined once more by, well, one man who has decided that he's not going to invite us to his stag do and one man who partied that hard at the weekend that he's got throat lozenges and lemon tea. Garth and Chris, how the fuck are you, friends? <laughs> These allegations are unfounded. Did you or did you not, Chris, at the start of this podcast or the start of the phone call that preceded this podcast, did you or did you not say, I have a friend who is planning my bachelor party and at no point extended an invitation to me and Big Daddy G? Because it's not a fucking actual... I'm not... I don't even have a girlfriend, let alone a fiancé. Ladies. (laughs) (laughs) So, apart from being, you know... Well, apart from standing us up, Chris, how's your week been, my friend? Um, fine. I flicked through a big book of mental disabilities and kept diagnosing myself, which was fun. Um, but apart from that, fine. Wonderful. The, G- the G1's been fun. Yes, the G1 has been in a, a lot of fun. Fucking hell. It's been a grind, but a lot of fun. Um, Garth, yourself? Um, just about recovered my uh, weekend festival. Yes, where I was playing and also drinking and, yeah, just fucking myself up. Please don't be another Keith Moon gaff. Well, he was one of my idols. I think he's everyone's idol, to be fair. Do any of our idols, hang on, because my idol's John Lennon and he died young too. I think all our idols must have died young. That's a shame. That's not true. Chad Kroger, mate. Uh, oh fuck off! <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> this explains so much. This explains so much about you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have reintroduced the list form of the podcast to go hand-in-hand with our retro pay-per-view review. You can go and check out our last pay-per-view review takeover, Brooklyn, on YouTube and all the podcast formats. We did that last week. But today we are focusing once more on a list that has caused a lot of controversy in the pod main here uh, group chat. We are looking at the 10 best wrestlers of 2019 so far so these are the people that so far as of the 8th of august at half past nine we feel have had the best 2019 now a couple of disclaimers before we go into i assume what is going to be an incredibly divisive list we are only including wrestlers of the promotions that we watch religiously now obviously myself and garth don't watch a lot of all japan for example so kenton we can't fairly put Kento Miyahara in this list because we haven't seen enough matches. We know that he's a fantastic wrestler, or at least I do. Garth, I don't know if you even know who Kento Miyahara is. I mentioned him enough. (laughs) Yeah, Chris fanboys over him, but Garth's just like, I don't give a shit who he is. Um, You know, there are are a lot of people that we, we haven't put on that list for this reason. 
Also, we are going to be talking quite a lot about Meltzer star ratings. I know for a fact that a lot of people cannot stand the Meltzer star rating system. That's fair enough. But it is a fair indicator for us to use to put across how well these these wrestlers performed in certain matches. If you don't agree it's with like them, that's fair enough. Exactly. Exactly. It is... Just because Meltzer thinks that, you might not think that. We've all disagreed with Meltzer before, and I'm sure it will continue forever and a day. But that is how we are going to be doing it. So the way we're going to do it, I'll introduce the list. We'll go from 10 to 1, and then we will sort of have a little bit of spirited debate about these people. But 10 wrestlers was never going to be enough. We always tried to fit more people in. So before we actually start the list proper... We'll have a look at some of the honourable mentions. People that have had a great 2019 but haven't quite managed to break into our list. So, Chris, do you want to give us your two honourable mentions in a little bit, I stress a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> about why you've chosen them and why they didn't quite make the list? Right. One is one you mentioned a bit ago, which was Kenta Miyahara. He, just, he, he never has, in his title defense, defenses, less than a 9 out of 10. So... Like, and even Okada had, like, a fally. So, that, like, to put this into perspective, Kenta Miyahara had an 8 out of 10 with fucking Yoshihashi. And, no, no with Yoshitatsu, Yoshi which is Tatsu, like having... Yeah. Which is basically the same fucking wrestler. But anyway, <laughs> um, and apart from Yoshitatsu, sometimes wears face paint. And also, um, Jordan Davlin, just because he's really coming to his own this year, like, that match with Bala at TakeOver was great. His match with Iglia Dragunov, uh, progress, best match I've ever seen live. He's just always the best thing on the show, one of the best things on the show whenever I see him. And his fluidity and moves have just become insane. Like, the way he can go from move to move without even trying. Like, there was, at the progress show, just very quickly, there was a Canadian destroyer into a devil inside, like, within, like, 10 seconds. It was insane. Anyway, yeah. He also had a very, very strong showing at the uh, Super Strong Style tournament, didn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah, he made it to the finals. He was probably the MVP of that weekend, other than David Starr and Ilya Dragunov. So, fantastic, Garth. Who are your two honourable mentions? Um, first off, I've got Brian Cage, um, Impact World Champion. I mean, he had a little bit of time off with injury, but he still pulled out some great matches. He had his sort of final sort of face-off with um, Mike Elgin, which. Both men, I think, sort of went beyond what people thought they could do. He had, a, he managed to get some good matches out of Killer Cross. He managed to get good matches out of basically anybody he's been up against. Um, I think the only reason he maybe didn't get in this list is because there are a couple of other people in Impact that are slightly better. But that, that's the only reason. Like I think Brian Cage has been really, really good. Uh, and I want to mention Moxley as well because although obviously he went sort of I think with his with his on on his way out of WWE, nobody actually believed that it was going to happen. Everybody thought we were going to get swerved, but he he put he still put us all in. I mean that stuff he was doing with Drew McIntyre at the end was really really good. He was selling everything. Then when he came back, he had that absolutely amazing sort of debut at All Elite, and from then he's just got better and better. So I can imagine him next year, he'd probably be on this list. Well, I can imagine by end. I think by end year he'll be on this list. Just he, yeah. he, he's been buried for the first half of this year, and this list was made before um, his great matches in the G One. So, 
yeah, it it yeah. is just it is important to state that he has a, had a fantastic G one. Even his comedy matches, his match with Toriano was genuinely quite entertaining. And Toriano, you know, you don't have a match with Toriano to have a great wrestling match, but you know, it was entertaining. He's had, he had a good match with Tai Chi. His matches with Ishi, with um, Naito, with Shingo, really, Shingo. really good matches. Yeah, really, really good matches. So again, Garth is absolutely right. At the end of this year, he will definitely be on the list, one hundred percent. Um, yeah. My honourable mentions, I've got two of them. The first one is Sonada. Um, it feels like every single year we start the year by saying, this is going to be the year of Sonada, and then he sort of gets sort of gets a little bit of momentum and then dies off. Um, however, this year he's had an absolutely outstanding series of matches with Okada, including a five-star rated match in the New Japan Cup final, which was incredible. Um, he's had another fantastic match with him in the G1 Climax, which was just an absolutely insane. And he seems to be going from strength to strength. His in-ring performances seem to improve fantastically. If he can just get rid of the Paradise Lock, he might make this list. But it is such a it's, stupid move. <laughs> with Sonata, um, it's much like Davlin, his fluidity of moves has just become almost second to none. It's insane. Like he's had this drop kick for a while, but um his springboard drop kick, but like he just keeps getting better at it somehow. And like he's the most seamless um movement um jump up into a moonsault I've ever fucking seen. So Yeah, his moonsault is gorgeous. His moonsault is definitely it's definitely a moot to moon salt like. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's had a great match against Zack Sabre Jr. against uh, Kota Ibushi. His match in the opening night of the G1 Climax was absolutely sensational. Such a great match. Um, and again, he's unlucky not to get on this list, but... He spent half a year feuding with, God, with the Gorilla to Destiny. It's very hard to even make honourable mentions doing that, so props well, to him. Yeah, fair play to him. Fair play to him. And possibly a little bit controversially i've gone for bray wyatt now anybody that has listened to this podcast from the very very start knows that bray wyatt is my favorite wrestler and the man has dealt with such shit when he left wwe to take time off presumably to heal injuries and to let people forget just how fucking badly he'd been booked in september i believe um everyone thought that's it he's gone this is what the fuck have they done with him? He's now a tranny that has a towel on his head, pretends to be <laughs> Sister Abigail. Um, I quite I quite like that, to be I, I I'd rather he would kept that gimmick. I quite enjoyed it. So. I'm, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Who could forget that infamously cancelled match between Sister Abigail and Pumpkin Baller? Um, Jesus Christ. I know. <laughs> me, and you, me and you were reviewing this show. <laughs> What's the special guest referee? <laughs> but he's come back, and he has come back with this wonderfully twisted firefly funhouse gimmick and this utterly terrifying new persona and the fact that wyatt has embraced it and it you know there's rumors that he's in full creative control of this new gimmick and he's got jeremy borash involved as well who of course was probably most famous for his stuff with matt hardy in the broken universe the fact that he is getting what is effectively a children's television program over the he's mr rogers the fact that this debuted and you've got half people going, this is fucking stupid. And then everyone going, this is absolutely fine. And now he is probably the best thing on Monday Night Raw. And yes, that is improving slightly under Paul Heyman's control, but the man is just a creative genius. Now, if WWE, obviously we can't put him on this list properly because, you know, he hasn't wrestled a match in 2019. But if he can continue this gimmick and if, it continues to take off. We could legitimately see a title contender in the making. The man could be 
one of the biggest things in WWE. We wait with bated breath to see how his match goes against Finn Balor at SummerSlam. I mean, you can't think of a better in-ring opponent, but let's not forget that these two have fought before and it was an absolute shower of shit. So, fingers crossed, but Bray Wyatt, considering he's made absolute gold out of what he was forced to do before he went off with injury, I think he deserves an honourable mention. What I love about Bray Wyatt thing is when, if you go back and listen to the podcast from like February, not from after Mania when this first started happening, and I said, watch this become the biggest thing in the wrestling world within two weeks, and then two weeks later it became the biggest thing in the wrestling off. world. Yeah, absolutely took off. So I'm, I'm not saying I'm a fucking sage or whatever, but what I'm saying is that you should give me £5 a month and maybe, and maybe your future will be better. I mean, that's bold. I don't think many people are gonna are gonna do that, but you know, fair play. You you don't. Basically, get I don't. Ask. I I don't want to directly pay for the WWE network, so this is how I do it. <laughs> you want us to set up a Patreon for you, just so you can afford the <laughs> WWE network. No, please. I can afford the network. I just don't want to have to give WWE my money. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. Anyway, let's get on with this list then. So the ten best wrestlers so far of 2019, and this first one is instantly going to cause some controversy. But number 10 is Cody. Now, yes, in-ring, especially New Japan fans, who look at this podcast and go, fuck this shit, how is Cody on this list? I almost left. Well, look at what (laughs) Cody has done this year. Not necessarily in-ring, but we'll get to that in a minute. The man has created a company, possibly the first viable American alternative to the WWE since TNA in 2005. The company has not had a taping yet, and this, yes, you can say it's the Young Bucks, yes, you can say it's Kenny Omega, but Cody seems to be the person that everyone talks about. The fact that he is the man, that MGF, the person who hates absolutely fucking everybody, he is the person that MGF will come out of character, MJF, sorry, will come out of character and go, yeah, this guy is absolutely amazing. He had a five-star match with Gold Dust. <laughs> he had a fight, not wrestling the Will Ospreay style, not wrestling the Kento Miyahara, Kazuchika Okada style, wrestling and what was effectively a territory style, proving that he is a great wrestler. But the AEW thing that he has put together with the help of the Young Bucks is something that is just he's got to be on this list for this reason. Garth, do you agree? Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. I mean, like I say, he's he had the <clears throat> five-star match with his brother that... I mean, everybody watched that just, I think, out of morbid curiosity to see how bad it was going to be. And then everybody... I don't... I, I've seen a couple of people say, oh, it was a lot of... It was quite slow, blah, blah, blah. But nine times out of ten, people have said it was one of the most amazing matches they've seen and a perfect way for those two people to kickstart and restart their sort of wrestling careers again. Um, and obviously all the stuff he's done outside with AEW, not just setting up the wrestling, getting the wrestlers involved, but all the stuff he's doing that none of the other promotions are doing. The like, autism inclusion, um, giving out sort of tickets for um, like police and firefighters and people like that, and just basically trying to get everybody involved. That's, I mean, the, the stuff that Brandy's doing as well, and the whole thing just seems like a total breath of fresh air, and he's the one who's kick-started it all. So 
he deserves to be on this list. Yeah, Chris. We we were really down on Cody at the start of the year, weren't we, Rob? After Wrestle Kingdom, I absolutely shat on his match with Juice Robinson. Yeah, I I for, go back and listen to that because it's a five minute of just pure hatred in that speech. <laughs> oh, it about was, that match. Yeah, there was a was, lot of things that were wrong almost, with that. Yeah, and to be honest, if you'd have told me going into All Out, into Double or Nothing, that the best match of the night would have been Cody versus um, Goldie, I'd have been like, fuck off. I'd ever be <laughs> fuck off, I'd go, oh, Christ, I guess fucking the Gumbucks died halfway through the match. But, and then, no, it's just happened to be the best match on the card. I think, it, I think I'm right in saying it's all in our top 10 matches of the year. But the thing is, having a 10 out of 10 match doesn't necessarily get you on this list. Like, half this list, tiny spoiler, I like, don't have 10 out of 10 matches under the belt, in our opinion. Like, at least yeah. three, of, three or four of them don't. So that doesn't... And loads of people who got 10 out of 10s didn't, didn't make it onto the list. So that isn't what gets you on. The 10-star match isn't what got him onto this list. What got him here is what he's done with AEW. Because, like, me and Gaff talked about this during both AEW reviews. Rob didn't because he wasn't fucking here. But <laughs> we love how effortlessly inclusive AEW is. Like, they just have a diverse roster and just don't ra- just don't rave about it. They just fucking did it. It's not like it's not like in WWE where they have women and they're like going, look, we have women. But yeah. like and whereas the AEW literally just going out, finding talented people regardless of where they come from, who they are, and hiring them. And I I it's very hard to do that effortlessly. You see it all the time in um shows or reboots where there'll be a minority character and people will complain. And AEW has done that with the exception of the fucking abuse and Isla Rose gets. And they've managed to do that and not have people calling them out on it, unless your name's Jim Connett. Um, no, that's, that's a lie. But you know what I mean? Like he's as a, I think he's more on this list as a promoter as than as a wrestler. Like what he's done for the wrestling business this year, he's given us hope, Rob, yeah. and not and not and not many things give us hope. Well, look what he's done with he's brought in <clears throat> he's brought in Moxley, who was arguably the biggest name not signed to WWE. Mm-hmm. And he says, right, do your stuff and then go and do your other stuff and just have fun. That he's basically said to his people, just we'll pick this up again in October or whatever when we've got the TV. But until then, just do your thing. You know, and exactly. I think the, pro- the, the product's going to benefit from it because Moxie's now doing stuff that he wouldn't ever have ever done if he was just tied down to one place. And I just, I, I'm really excited for not just sort of all out, but um, the TV to see what it does and see where they go with it. I don't tend to watch weekly TV. I'm definitely going to be watching at least the first couple of months of AWTV yeah. just because I like, as I haven't, I, I enjoyed um, like Fallen. I did not enjoy Fighter Fest. I was sort of falling asleep most of the way through Fighter Fest. Um, but that's mo- but, but that's mostly because they haven't had time to build proper feuds like that's they can. It, yeah. But because for like the um, Moxley um, Janela match, my problem with that was his violence for violence sake. When they finally got on TV, I, I hopefully that will not be a problem as long as he doesn't take um, booking philosophies off of his dad. I think AEW will be grand. So. <laughs> Final thing on Cody from from my point of view, just piggybacking on what you said, Garth. I mean, the man has rejuvenated wrestlers. I mean, not just his brother, not just Moxley, but when was the last time that Ty Dillinger was relevant? (laughs) 
honestly, fucking the the the, the vignettes and stuff he's been doing. He's another one who's coming across like an absolute megastar. Yeah, he's made he's made Darby Allen a credible star, which is very hard given the size of Darby Allen. <laughs> exactly, and that that's an underrated match. To be fair, Cody versus Darby Allen, it was a decent we it, match. We gave it a seven. I think I think it would have been an eight if the commentary was slamming home the fact that it was about to be a time limit draw, which they weren't. Yeah, but yeah, overall, I think Cody has every right to be on this list. So number ten, Cody. Number nine, then. Number nine is a little bit of a cheat. They are the only tag team that have made this list, and it is L-A-X. Now, (laughs) these guys, Jesus Christ, in the ring, they are one of the top three tag teams in the world. They are fantastic. Their chemistry and everything that they've done is absolutely amazing. And in a tag team division on Impact, which I'm sure Garth will go into in a moment... They are the shining lights. They put on two stellar encounters with the Lucha Brothers at Homecoming and Rebellion. Two absolute, just mind-bogglingly good matches. And hopefully, you know, we will see them do even more as the year goes on. But Garth, tell me a little more about LAX and why they were on the list or why they're on our list. Um, Like you say, the <clears throat> they are one of the top tag teams especially so I mean the fact that they're on you would argue quite a relatively small platform in comparison to other tag teams um, with impact but they're still obviously they get they get around they still go and do a lot of sort of Mexican and Puerto Rico matches and they do a lot of sort of indie shows but I don't like even when they have the sort of weekly matches against someone like the North or the Rascals but in fact the Rascals matches are really good they never have a bad match. They're, they are a proper tag team who have obviously come up as a tag team and they're still a tag team. Like Ortiz and Santana, two quite different styles. Um, like you mentioned, the two matches with the Lucha Brothers, um, uh, one at Homecoming and one at Rebellion. Both of them, I think, got four and a half stars or thereabouts, Melter. Um, on and many other tag matches, apart from the ones in NXT, that got those um and they held the belts for christ knows how long it was um and the only recently just gave them up and i think at the minute well they're playing the storyline where um santana is injured he's done his knee <clears throat> so Ortiz has been coming out with uh, like different sort of partners um but i just think the whole they did the whole blow off last year with um, the fake LAX um, with Homicide and Hernandez. The OGs. The OGs, yeah. And then the, the just picked up with the Lucha Brothers. And honestly, the, those every time they had a match, it was like, I want to see another one of those matches. And they kept giving us those matches. And every single one was an amazing match. And the, like I say, the fact that they've only just relinquished the titles, and I think it is due to um, injury, so... Hopefully they'll be back on track, but their contracts are due up next year, I think. And there are sort of whispers and murmurs that WWE have been looking at them, which would be an absolute fucking travesty. (laughs) It would, you're absolutely right. Chris? LAX are a very big fish in a very mediocre pond. And 
I, I think they're great. Um, see, they're, I've mostly seen them through because I didn't start watching Impact till about like three, two or three months ago, thanks to Rebellion. But their matches with CCK in progress has been one of the best feuds going in progress. And we've just added Eddie Kingston to the mix, which is weird because <laughs> in kayfabe, Eddie Kingston murdered one of their children or something. But <laughs> yeah, GBH. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, um, he's. They're really, they're really, really good. Um, they're, they're probably one of the best tag teams in the world. We just never get to show it because we keep having matches with the same people. And it's like, well, the North and the Rascals, are, and even like smaller tag teams in Impact, like Desi Hit Squad and Dinas, they're capable. But problem is, they're so good where they sort of have, it's not the NXT UK problem with like Walter and Dunn, where they're so far above everyone else that no one else seems credible. Yeah, like that's how good we are. We make we put a whole division uh, division full of good tag teams to shame. But the, I mean, to be fair to the Russells, they have sort of stepped up when the Lucha Brothers have sort of disappeared. Oh yeah, the Russells sort of picked up that mantle. Literally, all the problems that the Impact Tag Division have isn't down to the tag team. It's because they keep giving away these matches on weekly telly, and it's like. Fucking okay, you could have built a decent program with the North and LEX, but now we're just gonna spunk it off on Impact, which is basically <laughs> in TNA's philosophy. They put to their weekly shows and not to their pay-per-views. But they are probably like other than the Young Bucks, are probably the best tag team in the world right now. Maybe I just beat it up. They're definitely within the top ten tag teams, and like in terms of how I enjoy watching them. I enjoy watching them in more places than any other tag team. So they're very much deserving of being on this list. And yeah, I don't have a ton to say because I haven't started watching Impact for into the last few months anyway. So No, I agree. I agree. Um, if LAX do end up in the WWE, um, I'm sure people will say, oh, just imagine them against the Revival. Yeah, well, look what happened to the Revival. Um, <laughs> but LAX, absolutely outstanding tag team. Um, you know, their matches with the I did see a match against the Rascals. Um, really, really good. Who was it that they took on at Slammiversary? Was that the Rascals and the North? Yeah, it was like a three way uh, okay. match. Yeah, it was a decent match. Decent match. Literally everything LAX touches turns to gold when it comes to the tag team division. And you're absolutely right, Chris. It's because they are a team. It's because they are, you know, they do perform across, you know, the Indies as that team. But yeah, number nine, LAX, the only tag team. On this list, bit of a cheat, but never mind. Number eight. Now I have a lot to say on this one. Number eight is the dragon himself, Shingo Takagi. Now, this man, holy shit! He debuted in New Japan at King of Pro Wrestling 2018, and from that point until the Best of the Super Juniors final, the man went unpinned and unsubmitted. That's a fairly impressive record, but you can get around that with New Japan's booking by just having him in tag teams and stuff like that. However, in the best of the Super Juniors tournament, had it not been for someone else, who we'll be talking about later, having just an unreal tournament, this man would be probably second in the list. This man's He's MVP best... of his block. Oh, 100%. He went through the block unbeaten, putting on absolutely outstanding matches against the likes of Show. On night one, Kanemaru on night five, <laughs> Dragon Lee on night eight, Ishimori, all these people, Shingo bought out this unbelievable match out of them. And the Kanemaru match, which I mentioned earlier, Kanemaru is, 
basically lower mid card. Nobody ever expects anything from Kanemaru, even though he is very capable in ring. That match, I genuinely believe that Kanemaru, of all people, was going to be the person to break Shingo's streak. Kanemaru, for fuck's sake. He then had an absolutely outstanding match in the final against Will Ospreay, which got Dave Meltzer giving it five and three quarter stars, and it was worth every single star. He's then gone on to take on heavyweights in the G1. He put on a seven-star match, due to our ratings, against Satoshi Kojima at Dominion. And it was an absolutely fantastic match. It was about eight minutes long. It was brilliant. And then in the G1, he has put on stellar matches against Cobb, Moxley, Ishii, and Naito. That match against Naito, I actively encourage you to go and watch. Everything this lad does in the ring is just unbelievable. He is such a talent. And the fact that New Japan have managed to book him out of this losing streak without making him look weak is even more testament to A, his character, and B, their booking. What a man. Fantastic. Chris? One problem every wrestler faces when they get out of a um, winning streak is where do you go after you lose? And somehow they've managed to find a way to have Shingo fall up and you're not complaining because it's Shingo. But here's the thing. He's made this list quite high based on one tournament, basically. Based Just based on his performance, because he's been in tag matches all fucking year. Like, and yeah, sure, him and Bushi versus Rapungi 3K, the fun match, fun enough match. But really, how much, how many times have you seen it? How, bo- how bored were we at the beginning of the year of that match, Rob? If you are, you know, again, you've you've summed that up perfectly, Chris. Shingo's made it to eight on this list, despite being in a less than interesting tag team with the most, with the least interesting member of LIJ. I mean, who even, and this is no disrespect to Shingo at all, but who even remembers the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team match from Wrestle Kingdom 13? Nobody. I think we gave it six stars. It, it was there, it was serviceable, but it wasn't the best. It was a, it was a fine Shingo. opener. It, well... Yeah, it was it was okay, but it was no way to use Shingo. You no, know? exactly. Um, when you consider that match, uh, that card had a very lackluster match between Shimori and Kishida. But like, but and then as soon as Shingo was put into singles competition, because I believe Best of Super Juniors was just his first t- singles competition that whole year. I believe and, so. And like straight out the gate with show, I believe we gave that a ten. That was such a good match. And like he's so different from other juniors, basically because he's not a fucking junior. But he's <laughs> like again, that match with Kanemaru, I believe by hook or by crook, Kanemaru is going to do it. And the thing is with Kanemaru, he is capable. Like, but this is his best match since Noah. What was it called? Navigation. Or uh, Noah has weird fucking names. Was it 2015? Uh, no, 2005. 2005. The one wow. against Kenta. Um, t- that's how long ago. <laughs> like, because Kanemaru never gets a chance, to be fair. Um, Kevin Kelly kept calling his guilty pleasure, which we went into why that's fucking weird. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's absolutely amazing. I can't think of a bad singles match he's had all year. And that match with Osprey, I think, is tops both mine and Rob's list. And actually, the G1 might change that with the Akada Osprey match. But I, I've, I've, before the G1, I'm pretty sure if I was top of both our lists, wasn't it? Oh, 100%. Nothing touched it. Yeah. No, it, it's so good. I remember I was watching it 
And like, it's very rarely I watch matches and think of Meltzer ratings, but as soon as I finished going, I would just went, oh, fuck, that's going to break his scale, isn't it? Because it was just so, it felt like as good as the first Okada Omega match. It was that sort of level of fluidity. And neither man took any stupid bumps. Like, they took some big bumps, but not like stereotypically stupid junior bumps, which is just a testament to how solid both men uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what else Jingo can do with G1 because he's been great so far. His match with Moxley was awesome. His match with Cobb, which I only just watched today, is amazing. Um, Rob really likes his match with Naito. I'm sure it's really good. And honestly, if, he got, if it's as, half as good as Rob says, it'll be great because Naito sort of lost his mojo this year. But I'm so looking. I, I love Shingo. I can't wait to see what else he does. I hope he moves up because Hiromo's back soon and we can't have three juniors because otherwise Bushi's just going to have nothing to do. So... I mean, the difference between him and Ishii, because Ishii could have quite easily made this list just for his G1 performances, as he could every single year. Um, but mm. the difference between Shingo and Ishii for me is that show match. Because Shingo, that story and that rivalry that, is, that they've managed to harbour due to tag matches. It's not like a huge singles feud. It was through tag matches. And then they had this main event, and it was... St- Stella, the fact that Sho had to put everything in because he wanted to be the first one to beat Shingo, and just this story was fantastic. Um, just overall, an absolutely fantastic, fantastic competitor. Garth, have you got anything to add about Shingo? No, I think the only match I saw was the uh, tag match at Wrestle Kingdom. You need to watch some Shingo, man. You need to get yourself some Shingo. <laughs> I, 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 honestly, when I, when I look back, I remember actually liking him as well at the time because he was on, on that match, he's one of the bigger guys. Pour some shingo on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair play, Chris. That was decent. <laughs> um, yeah, shingo could quite easily have been higher on this list, but you know, to spend up until the best of the super juniors in a less than interesting tag team, you know, fair play to get this. I, so think, well done. I think. I think also very quickly behind the scene, we did use a point system. So because of this, some people have been, some New Japan people got moved down just because Garth doesn't watch them. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Well, let's put it this way. Okada isn't even on this list. So, you know, spoilers. Um, (laughs) So yeah, Shingo number eight, 100% deserves to be on this list. Garth, if you take nothing from this list at all, apart from the fact that we haven't been invited to Chris's stag do, go. For fuck's sake. (laughs) Just go and watch one Shingo match. It's fucking brilliant. Even if it's just the Shingo Osprey match from the Best of Super Juniors final, you will cream your pants. Put it in the chat and I'll watch it. Definitely. Definitely. It'll be on Daily Motion. Um, Anyway, number seven, Big Daddy Walter. Now, this man... He basically put the entire of NXT UK on lock. Now, NXT UK, we discussed this before we came on air, is a very divisive brand at the moment, but this man genuinely makes it worth watching. Now, when we went to NXT TakeOver UK Blackpool, guys, we stood there after Pete Dunne had beaten Joe Coffey, and I remember looking at Chris and saying, who else is there to beat Pete Dunne? Because we've said this before, Pete Dunne acts on a different level in NXT UK. No one is close to him. And then Walter's music hit. And (laughs) fuck me, the reaction. The reaction was absolutely 
ridiculous. He then went and put on a 10-star masterclass against Pete Dunne. Now, this is Walter, who literally chops people. That is his gimmick. I've got big hands. I will leave those big handprints on your chest. That is his gimmick, and he put on a 10-star match. And it's not just in NXT that this man is doing this. He has had an absolutely incredible year, a year, to be honest, that's sort of gone under the radar aside from that match against Pete Dunne, which I believe was NXT TakeOver New York? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely outstanding match. Chris, I'm sure you know you were a, a huge advocate as to why Walter needed to be included on this list. I know me and Garth are only familiar really with his WWE work, but please take it away. Talk to us about him. Right, I remember first very quickly from Takeover Blackpool. Um, the b- biggest thing I remember from Walter coming out was me and you fucking really going going for the cheers, and then Garth just turned to me going, "Who's that?" I'm like, <laughs> I think my words were, "Is that Kozlov?" <laughs> yeah, no, he was like, "He's like he looks like Kozlov." I'm like, "Fucking, I'm not going. I'm not going to be a dick about it because you're on my ride home tomorrow." But for fuck's sake, <laughs> um, the thing I remember most is um. All the fucking Mark singing his song. It was it was <laughs> right. mental, it's, wasn't it? it it's immense. so Walter. He, he was someone I was loving last year. Like I remember going to Shug's house party last year just to see him, just to see one of those chops live. Because he, he's toned it down, believe it or not, since going to NXT UK. You don't believe me? Go watch his matches with PTO. But yeah, he's just every match he's he's singles match I've seen him in this year's, um, with the exception of like jobber matches have been no less than 8 out of 10 like um knows him of his great matches have went under the radar this year his match with um pete dunn at the tapings i went to sort of went under the radar because on weekly tv but i was still really good i um, made a great six man also at the tapings i went to um with mustache mountain against imperium he's like the biggest thing on the nxt uk brand now like he convincingly took down pete dunn who no one could take down i was sort of scared pete dunn would be like a roman reigns thing but no Oh, not Roman Reigns, people like Pete Dunne. But literally, Walter can't have a bad match. And he's a king of storytelling, like very simple storytelling. For example, he had a match with Eddie Kingston at the Newcastle Progress show. And basically, Eddie Kingston's whole thing was, I can hit as hard as Walter. And Walter requested a match with Eddie Kingston just to get into that. (laughs) And um, Eddie Kingston chopped Walter about 20 times. And then chopped Walter with one chop, took Eddie Kingston down. Like, and that was the story. And like, he's just, ah, I can't, the, everything he's in feels like a fight, which is a skill that's lost in a lot of people. Like, he he feels legit. And so the whole 70s foreigner thing he has going on right now is something that's not been done in a very long time, where he's not evil because he's from that country, but you're scared of him. Type, I'm trying to think of a good comparison, but he's, there's nothing like he mixes so much together like be it like 90s old japan with like some territory um character work he just ah i love him <laughs> like it's weird because he doesn't do anything mad like the biggest spot in his match of the year with pete dunn was um that big power bomb yeah and when the... and, yeah and Uh-oh. really that's no Uh-oh. worse than like a moonsault or a senton so, like, he can work great matches without having to take wild bumps. That was gravitas and size. <laughs> it was literally yeah, but... like a fucking meteor hitting the ground. It really was. Yeah. 
<laughs> partly, but also you look at so many people who are bigger than Walter who don't carry that sort of weight because how he carries himself, you believe. Like you can imagine him studying the art of war, sipping wine, listening to classical music at and home. Then going outside and like doing like a squats with a giant dog. Yeah, no, because <laughs> even the way he dresses, he, he, you believe he's very disciplined. Yeah. Like he's either in a nice, um, well, not a suit, but like somewhat formal wear, or he's in like a customized tracksuit. <laughs> no, literally on NXT UK with Imperium, he's been coming out in, in customized tracksuits when he's cutting promos. And like he's so good, but he's getting over like bat language barriers. That's how good he is. And just, ah, I, I love him. I, him I don't with, think. Get him with he, Paul Heyman. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> make him the new Don't, Curtis but... Axel. <laughs> well, I, thought, I think Cesaro was more of a good thing there, or Ryback, given the size. But going back to the like, you look at someone like Damien Priest, otherwise known as um, fuck. What was he known Punishment as? In Ring of Honor? Punishment Martinez. He was bigger than Walter, like taller than Walter. I'm pretty sure he weighs more. But he doesn't carry himself with... So- oh, Baron Corbin is another great example of a big man who you don't believe can kick your ass. But whilst you take one look at him going, I would not want to run into him well, in a dark look, alley in Glasgow. He's got that look, though, where he looks like he's almost as sort of wide and stocky as he is tall. No, exactly. Yeah. But you're, but also, he's, it's not like a fat thing. He's just... No, no, of, it's, that's how he's built. Like, yeah. Like, he doesn't look out of shape, which is very... It's a very hard line to cross. And like the fact that he's leading the the level of talent he's leading, be it in like ring camps or which is now disbanded or Imperium with like like Eichner, um, Basel and Alexander Wolf, they're all amazing talents. But like Walt Walt is a believable like mob boss almost. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's he like honestly he's like a godfather of wrestling. I just love him. Yeah. I agree. Garth, have you got anything to add? Not real. I mean, we've covered the... I mean, the only real matches out of Saw is the uh, takeover one. Saw bits and bobs of the other stuff, but I mean, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I think I think with Walter, it, it all comes down to who he's in there with as well. Like, Pete Dunne was like the perfect opponent for him, because Pete Dunne could do the nasty stuff, but then he also allowed like Walter to do a little bit more actual wrestling. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why that match was so good. Cause it was a total mishmash of styles going on. And they, they both had to go into each other's sort of realm to, to sort of get the match through. It was really good. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, I've got well, two, it? I've got two of his matches on my to watch list. One of them, I believe is in OTT against Jordan Devlin. That's a great match. That's a great. I forgot about that. That's such a fucking good match. And one, I believe, is against Pack as well. Which isn't that from OTT as well? I think I've not seen that one. I've, I could, mostly because I heard like it was good, but not like great. Mm. Um, also, what what else was there? Fuck. Um, anything against Ilya Dragunov is always great for Walter. Um, there was what was for really Oh, Trent Seven at Super Strong South Sixteen. Check that one out. That one out. Oh, the unification also, bout. Yeah, and also his one again because he's such a nasty heel now in progress. And also, fuck, 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 what was it? Oh, there's so many. Okay, Chris Ridgway. His match against Chris Ridgway. I forget what chapter, 
But like, it's what it's what I'm disputing Gareth saying it depends who he's in there with because Chris Ridgway is quite an inexperienced. Although he's just went for his first throw with Noah and is apparently doing really well. Um, but he's um, like he's not of he's in like three or four years in the game and only like a year and a half on the big stage basically. But he had like a great like nine out of ten match with him. On I'll, I'll send you the chapter afterwards because I forget which one, but it's a great match. Fair play, fair play. So Walter, I think we can all agree, definitely very, very, very much deserving of his place at number seven on our list. Number six now, and we have the current NXT champion, Adam Cole, baby. Um, I mean, the reason he's on this list is pretty self-explanatory. He's Adam fucking Cole. Um, This man is literally the face of NXT. There is no one more over in NXT than Adam Cole. Even Johnny Gargano, who puts on repeated masterclasses, there is no one more over than Adam Cole. Adam Cole, you can say, well, he was in the ring with Johnny Gargano, who's a fantastic wrestler. He was as much a part of those two five-star classics at New York and at NXT TakeOver 25 as Gargano was. The storytelling in that match, in both matches, in my opinion, was absolutely fantastic. Adam Cole leading the Undisputed Era is fantastic. On the microphone, I doubt there is a better talker, aside from maybe the Velveteen Dream, in NXT. The man is an absolute godsend to that. Honestly, he's incredible. He's got charisma for days. The man could have been higher on this list, to be perfectly honest, Garth. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's had two, again, going back to Melter's ratings, uh, he's had two sort of five-star-plus matches both with Johnny Gargano, both contenders for best match in NXT history. Yeah, definitely. Um, possibly some of the best matches we've seen from any WWE product. Um, he's had, I mean, we always forget about the halftime heat that he was involved with. And that was only, what, 15 minutes or something? Yeah, something like and that. And that, that was a crazy, like, amazing match. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the whole... What's so good about him is he he works the stuff when he's in the Undisputed Era, like the the, the the war games and stuff like that. But he's also just as good on his own. And he's you, you can see that he's sort of, he's quite dastardly because he doesn't like to get himself involved much with the the sort of tag stuff. He's doing his thing, but then when he has to get involved, he does. Nine times out of ten, it's when he, he knows he's going to win something. Um, but the, I mean, just going back to those two Gargano matches, I mean, the, the two out of three falls was personally my favorite of the two, possibly my favorite match this year. Um, and that's not taking anything away from the other match, which was absolutely fucking stellar as well. But I don't think since he's been in NXT, and I don't think I've seen him have not even a mediocre match. Every match he's had has been good or great. Um, and like, and he is the perfect champion as well. He's he's got charisma. He's got the, the skills on the mic. He's got he can back it up in the ring, and he's got that chicken shit heel where he knows when to to sort of walk away as well. Yeah. Really good. Easy to be higher, higher like you say. I mean, for me, I heard a comparison. I think it was at some point last year that he was, you know, WWE were looking at him as the next Shawn Michaels. Definitely. And, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, you can certainly see the comparisons. You can certainly see the parallels, can't you, Chris? 
Yeah, but actually, it was during halftime heat where Shawn Michaels was doing commentary, and Big Joseph turned to him while doing Adam Cole's entrance, and he was like, oh, he apparently needs the next Shawn Michaels, and Shawn was like, no, nah, that's putting a ceiling on him. Adam Cole's <laughs> just great. Like, yeah. he he can make a very small um, centre feel like a arena for how loud he can make the crowd. It's like unbelievable. It's like a football crowd. Yeah. No, exactly. And his matches are great. He can make you interested in any feud he's involved in. Like he could probably have a great feud with Lars Sullivan. And <laughs> I, I don't want him to go on the main roster. He'll be wasted with um, scripted promos on the main roster. And yeah. the fact that he is a standout in a stable full of standouts is great. But we'll say on. Um, I forget who said it, other than Velveteen Dream. I've not seen Cole have a bad promo all year. I've seen, and I don't know if you lads have seen it, but <laughs> Dream's um, National Anthem promo against Donovan Dijak was awful. No. <laughs> like, no, he was, he sang like the National Anthem, and for someone who looks like Prince and acts like Prince, he can't fucking sing like Prince. <laughs> um, and he's meant to, like, if you're going to do a singing, pro- a bad singing promo, be a heel. But, yeah, Adam Cole just—he's he, such good a heel that he can make a crowd that initially loves him hate him. Well, that's the thing—he rides that fine line of being a, a like a, a cool heel, but then he'll do something where he's like, "No, no, no, you're not, you're not cheering for me." Just—he always knows when to do that thing to stop him being the baby face, and that's really hard to do, I think, especially nowadays. Absolutely. I agree. Um, to be honest, I think he makes, Chris, you spoke about how he's a standout in a stable of standouts, and that's absolutely right. But everyone is better in that stable with Adam Cole to bounce off. How many times have we sat and laughed about Kyle O'Reilly's reactions when Adam Cole <laughs> says something? You know, Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly's just the best facials in the business. Yeah, 100%. When he takes off his glasses and goes, how dare you? Absolutely <laughs> Did incredible. You see- did you see him at the beginning of the year? It was like an undisputed era promo, and the two and him and Roddy have the belt. He's tuning up the belt. <laughs> no, I didn't. That's amazing. Um, Adam Cole. I mean, when he first signed for NXT, it was a big deal. But I think I'm right in saying that you know you look at the Bullet Club and you look at people out of Ring of Honor at that time. Adam Cole wasn't sensational in Ring. You know, he was he was okay. Um, no, I'm, I remember doing a review of the Ricochet match last year that I said um, Ricochet isn't working at 100%, whereas um, isn't uh, whereas Cole is, because Cole's all about character. He's definitely changed that this year. I don't know if it's because of Gargano. To be fair, I can't even remember what he was doing at the Rumble takeover. Was he even on that card? Uh, takeover Phoenix, that was. Yeah. So was... Wasn't he just accompanying... Was he even on the card? I can't remember. Wasn't well, he in the life for me? Wasn't he injured? Oh, he must have been, yeah. Yeah, because it was... Well, uh, oh, hang on. Right, carry on Carry on talking. I'll find our match ratings of it. Uh, I, I want, have you guys ever seen Adam Cole live? Because it's weirdly different. No. Yes. I saw... Have you, hang on, where did you see him? I saw him. <laughs> so, interesting story. A little bit of a side note. My <laughs> brother despises wrestling. He used to watch it in the Attitude Era. We were both massive fans of Kane. We had the figures... Kane didn't lose a match. He was world champion. Didn't lose a match. Had a great five-star classic against Chris Jericho. Anyway, um, he's gone off wrestling. We went to Download Festival to watch Guns N' Roses. The rest of the 
the sort of the undercard, if you will, wasn't great. Um, so I dragged him to go and the see undercard. the undercard. I dragged him to go and see NXT, who were there at the time. And on that day, it was main evented by Adam Cole versus Marcel Bartel, I believe, for the at that time, the NXT Northern American title. And Interesting. Exactly. It was actually a really good match. Though the crowd started chanting, who the fuck, who the fuck, who the fuck are you? To oh, that's, that's really sad. It is. It is. It was when he, he hadn't been in NXT long or he hadn't been on TV much. Um, and it enough. was before he was part of NXT UK. But <laughs> he came out and my brother was like, who the fuck is this guy? And then Adam Cole came out and even he did the baby bit. And that is <laughs> the power of Adam Cole. I saw Adam Cole at a What Culture event. Um, it was my first wrestling show in years and years and years at the time because a mix of anxiety and having no money. And all the ICW shows being 18 plus sort of stopped me. I was at 18 at the time. And came out. And it was in Meadowbank, which isn't like the best for atmosphere. But Adam Cole made it a great atmosphere. He he did the great he did the thing where he kept trying to do the baby but they kept rolling him up. It was very much a house show match, but um, they, it was <laughs> it was Leggero versus Jay Lethal versus Adam Cole, and everyone's name got chanted, but Cole's got chanted first, and he just went. He, they chanted my name first, so I win. Like he's just, he's just a master at hyping up a crowd. It's unbelievable. Like but, let me put it this way: Moose was also on the card, and he managed to stop people doing the fucking Moose chant. Moose. <laughs> Moose. No, literally, Moose ruins a card. Like if you have Moose, like if you like before he's don't you bad mouth Moose. Right, no, like <laughs> before his before his current um guys, like back when he used to come out to the Moose thing, and when he was he, a when he was a fierce. Yeah, no, exactly. Like when he came out and hyped up the crowd, that's all you'd have for the rest of the show. Like if you have Moose, like ICW was smart because when they booked Moose, they booked him the main event, so it wouldn't ruin the rest of the night. <laughs> Um, By back... the way, um, under, very quickly, underrated match, Moose versus Joe Coffey at the What Culture Show I went to. Great match. Anyway, go on. Okay. So the NXT um, TakeOver Phoenix card, as you can find at www.podmania.co.uk to find our official match ratings. So we had the War Raiders versus the Undisputed Era, which we gave nine stars. We had the singles mm-hmm. match between Matt Riddle and Cassius Ono, which we gave seven stars, which had the greatest counter in the world with Cassius Ono just stamping on Matt Riddle's butt. yeah. Um, we then had the NXT North American Championship match, the 10-star classic between Ricochet and Johnny Gargano. We had yep. the NXT Women's Championship match between Shayna Baszler and Bianca Belair, which we gave seven stars. And the NXT Championship match between Tommaso Ciampa and Alistair Black, which we gave eight stars to. Right, so Cole wasn't on the card. Cole wasn't on the card, no. Interesting. He must have been injured then. He must have been. You have Adam Cole, you put him on the card. Doesn't matter where, yeah. you put him on. Anyway, Adam Cole, number six, could have quite easily been higher, but hopefully once we go through the next five entries on this list, you'll see why he can't be higher. Two of those, he's dating Britt Baker, so his teeth must be amazing. Know, Absolutely, yeah, they must be. Free dental care. <laughs> Free dental care. <laughs> Fucking statement. Um, so we move on to number five now. We are officially halfway through this list, and at number five, we have the undeniable Tessa Blanchard, Garth's Bay, Tessa Blanchard. Now, this woman, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this, she is the best thing about Impact. 
the woman is absolutely incredible. Not only is she the best knockout in the division, she's also now transitioning into the Impact World Championship picture, which yeah. in itself has blown the internet up, apparently. Uh, the fact that a woman could be challenging for this. But I think if it's going to be anyone, Tessa Blanchard is the person to do that because not only is she absolutely outstanding in ring, she's outstanding on the microphone. She is gives the most amazing promos. Her facial expressions are amazing. She had an absolutely outstanding match against Sammy Callahan, which main-evented Slammiversary. A great, great match. She had a great match with Gail fucking Kim at Rebellion. <laughs> And bearing in mind, Gail Kim has been retired for God knows how long. And Gail, been Kim off telly. Point is, Gail Kim at this point is more Lego figure than woman. Exactly. And Tessa Blanchard had a fantastic match with her. And then on top of this, she's just been crowned AAA Reign of the Reigners champion at the, at the latest Triple Mania. This woman has had an absolutely fantastic year. Any indie show in America, it seems, Tessa Blanchard is on that card. Unfortunately, for Impact at least, I think it's only a matter of time before she finds herself in either WWE or AEW, probably AEW. But while Impact have got it, Jesus Christ, forgive the pun, but they have got an absolute diamond. Garth, (laughs) go off on one, mate. She is, uh, in my opinion, she's... We'll stop doing it as much, and that's a good thing, but she is one of the top two women wrestlers in the world and one of the best women in, I would say, America because I know Chris will jump down my throat if I say world. I wasn't um, going to dis- go <laughs> Chelsea fanboy on you, alright? But Mama but, like um, Nabby, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> she, I mean, she's had average matches with Tyre, but I think that's because Tyre is Tyre. fucking sloppy as hell. But I will say they did have a street fight and that was really, really good because they both did their thing. They both played the hardcore card and it, much, <clears throat> it works much better, for, especially for Tyre. But that's it, like what Rob said. Anywhere there's some like sort of indie show or something like that, nine times out of ten you see Tessa Blanchard's name on there somewhere. Um, she's, I, don't, I think she's the WoW champion. She is. Um, she, I think she helped sort of kick that off again. Uh, she's, wow. like you say, Lucha Libre, uh, AAA champion. Um, she's done stardom, I think. No, not this year, at least. She's not. Um, oh, I don't no, think so, anyway. 2017 she did. Um, and she, I mean, she's, the fact she's only been doing it for about five or six years as well. Uh, she's 24 years old as well, so she's still got long way to go before she's even hit a peak uh, notable matches like you said, Sammy Callahan main evented and it wasn't just a sort of let's put them on the main card just because it's a man versus a woman it was an, a legitimate reason and Sammy Callahan, the, the story was Sammy Callahan used his pull as the draw, as the the best wrestler of 2018 to get that match bumping up to the top because he felt they deserved that sh- like shot, which worked. And then at the end, he showed respect to her because they went at each other with baseball bats. So he gave her her baseball bat back and then gave her a nod and walk back, which when you think about the Sammy Callahan character, doesn't happen very often. Um, and they're going to be going at it again. Um, 
well, I think they did at the last sort of mini pay-per-view, um, which I haven't got around to watching yet. But everything she does is crisp. She's she's gone back to using the um, the DDT again as well a lot more, which is a much, much better move than that code break off the top rope. The magnet. Yeah. I mean, it's an all right move. No, it's but, a good move, but like she, she definitely takes more damage than her opponent. And you're relying on your opponent to get up on the top and jump at you. So, but mm. well, I'm hoping she has more. I hope she does more stuff with. I want to say I do some stuff with Jordan Grace. She's she's playing the face role at the minute because she's playing the sort of the figurehead for women wrestling against Sammy Callahan and the like. Um, I hope she does go back to being the heel because I think she's much much better as a heel, and I hope she. Does stuff, some stuff with Jordan Grace and maybe Rosemary. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And she's recently signed another contract with them, so she's going to be in impact for at least the next two years, which is good. Um, but I don't see them stopping her going anywhere else. That's the thing. They'll let her go and do um, probably a, like AEW. I don't think they'll obviously let WWE, but I'll be surprised to see her pop up on the AEW at some point. I don't care. The more, the merrier. But get to see how more on TV. Absolutely. Chris? Don't hate me, girl. I think Impact's slightly stunting for Tessa. I don't think so. No, no, because she's easily one of the best all-arounders in the world. But where's she like, going to go to get better matches? Stardom. But... <laughs> it's not going to happen, though, is it? No, Nobody it's not watches that. So... <laughs> well, girl, no, I'm not going to. Um, like, AEW... Like you said, um, like but I guess, do they have better women wrestlers there at the minute? Well, they bring in a lot of jail shoes, so yes. But okay, now. right, okay. So here's Tessa Blanchard is all like LAX, where she's amazing, but she's the best in a small pond. Like, and it comes to people on there's no one on her level quite on her level in Impact, despite the fact I prefer Jordan Grace and Rosemary. But I think there's on. anyone on her level in most places, though. You'd argue maybe Charlotte Flair. Charlotte, um, Io Shirai, I think is a great all-rounder. I think just the fact she doesn't speak English makes people think she's not, when in reality she is. Oh yeah, she's she's not Canadian or something. <laughs> um, Tony Storm also is up there. Like I, I think mean, her... to be fair, I'd love to see her go up against like Shayna Baszler, but not oh, in WWE. I think that I think that would be great um, because but neither of them are because uh, great because of their work great they're great because of their intensity. So I think that would be. Absolutely amazing. Also, Mia Yim, I think, would be a great opponent for her. Uh, but that's the problem. She's burned through all her opponents in Impact, which I think is why they've started introducing intergender competition, because otherwise they're just wasting Tessa. <laughs> and, well, it's because she's done it. The thing is, she's done it quite a lot on the independence. Yeah, also, and... like, have you seen the match? I forget where it was, but have you seen the match she had with Brian Cage, which was fucking yeah. incredible? Yeah. That, was, was that it, not it was like a... Beyond Wrestling or something, or well, Bar well, the con- Wrestling? Like the, the co- like the comms or something like that. Yeah. She's it... done quite a lot with him, because I think she's quite close with him, and she's quite close with Sammy Callahan as well. But she's, uh, like, she's easily, like, one of the most intense wrestlers in the world. We can't, it really can't be overstated how amazing it is that you can have a really good match with um, Gail Kim. Yep. Like, <laughs> at this point, I'm pretty sure me and Garth are better wrestlers than Gail Kim. She'll end up in AEW because she's always cited Cody as one of her 
one of her mentors and is referred to him a lot of times as her big brother. So she'll end up there, definitely. Yeah, I really hope she does because I, I have more faith in AEW to build a good women's division. I, I, she's... It's an, it's, again, it's like LX where she's amazing, but she doesn't. She makes the most of every big match she gets, but she doesn't. She gets that like maybe once every three or four months instead of like once every month, which I think she could easily like you could easily put her in any division and build it around her. Like anywhere she turns up, it will automatically be built around her. Yeah. She's that good. But it's not like a Jordan Grace where you turn up and she's like, she's really good, but she's not quite there yet. At very similar ages. Jordan Grace uh, just needs the promo. And then she needs it. she needs yeah. a promo. Which is like literally if Jordan Grace could cut a promo like she does on Twitter, she'd be fine. Because <laughs> Jordan Grace spits some fucking fire on like someone messaged her and the uh, and she just went, your your profile is a roller coaster, and the guy was just going um, I love DX and I'm an aspiring adult film creator. <laughs> like, wow, that was, that was quite a roller coaster. Like, literally, but going back off of John Grace, Tessa is just amazing. And what hope, I really hope to, like, I know this is, Gaff's going to laugh at me for saying this because she does this every time I bring up fucking Stardom, but I really want to see her in Stardom. I really want to see what she'd do against the actual best women's wrestling in the world. The I only think- problem is, the only problem is there's a lot of NXT UK people in coming in and out of stardom, like Viper goes in and out, Zaya goes in and out, and um, Tony Storm goes in and out. So, like, maybe they won't bring her over just to keep that diplomacy going, because I'm pretty sure if um, they wanted to, NXT UK could just go, right, Tony, you're not going to Japan anymore. So She's, she's done a... She's been there before. So I think I think she had, this would be before I started watching, and, with, and because stardom updated their online... Um, there's a lot of like between 2015 and 2017 stuff um, that's not up was, yet. She was there with Jessica Havoc. Was she? Okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think I don't I know think you're more likely going to see her in AEW up against those people. Yeah. Um, to be fair, there's only one sad person in AEW, and that's Priestley. The rest of them, I think, are from Tokyo Joshi Pro and Blue Ribbon. So, with none of it, one of which means anything to <laughs> but you know. <laughs> There you go, Tessa Blanchard. <laughs> well, apparently, <laughs> div- yeah, apparently, um, well, she is one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. Well, none of us had anything bad to say about her. So. No, not at all. I, I don't know if I agree that Impact's stunting her. I think it's more a fact that she is by far the best woman's wrestler there, and she needs it's, more competition. I, it's the LAX thing, and that's from Impact can afford. That's that. That's the thing, unfortunately, but. Never mind, while Impact have still got Tessa Blanchard, I'm sure she's going to continue to put on absolutely stellar matches that Garth can continue to enjoy. Oh, also a match with Joey Ryan. There I you go. Not, I, I oh, never yeah. thought I'd see Tessa Blanchard take the penis plex, but I did. <laughs> number four then, we're into the top four now, and number four is the man, Becky Lynch. Now, if this was a 2018 countdown, there is an argument that Becky Lynch would have been number one. Uh, This woman has gone on to be the face of the WWE, despite the fact that WWE tried to ruin her going up through to WrestleMania. She has overcome that, and she is still one of the most charismatic people. Don't care if it's woman, man, don't care. She's one of the most charismatic people on that entire roster. Her build-up to the Royal Rumble from Survivor Series, which, yes, I know was 2018, but it leaked into 2019, up to the Royal Rumble was fucking great. 
I know yeah. it sounds stupid, but that botched punch she took from Nia Jax was probably the best thing that could have happened to her. It was brilliant. Just um, to clarify, Nia Jax can still fuck off. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Um, again, comes to the Royal Rumble. She is the most over person on the roster, 100%. More over than any of the male roster. That takes some doing. She then, of course, is the first person to go on and beat Ronda Rousey. And then on top of this, not only does she headline WrestleMania, one of three women to ever do it, obviously Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair being the other two, she comes out with both women's titles. Now, since then, people can argue, yes, we have been slightly oversaturated with Becky Lynch, but that's because creative have decided that, oh, she's got a boyfriend. Let's put them both on TV together, for fuck's sake. Skimmy. I know, I agree. It's never worked. I don't know why WWE think it's going to work with Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. It's just made Seth Rollins look more annoying, but never mind. Um, but on top of that, she's she's made Lacey Evans look good, not necessarily in the ring, but she's made Lacey Evans look good. <laughs> And that's because well, she is that compelling, good. Compelling matches. Exactly. The matches have slightly under-delivered, but I don't <coughs> think that's anything to do with Becky Lynch. What yeah, I'm saying yeah. is, if you can get to the point where you are the first female cover star of a 2K game, yes, I know China was on the front of a WWE SmackDown game, of a 2K game, Okay, mm-hmm. with Roman Reigns, that shows just how far you've come in the company. When you think before this time last year, SummerSlam 2018, just before that match, Becky Lynch was an afterthought, a complete afterthought. I mean, for fuck's sake, Carmella was champion. <laughs> she comes out of that feud looking like a million dollars. They tried to turn a heel. The crowd were like, absolutely fucking not. Nope. Exactly. And then they the comparisons between her and Stone Cold Steve Austin come out. I mean... It's my favourite OSW joke, Stone Cold Steve Bird. (laughs) I mean, you don't get compared to Stone Cold Steve Austin lightly. But the way she had the crowd eating out of her hand, delivering fire after fire after fire, I blame her for wrestlers thinking they can suddenly use Twitter. Because (laughs) she is the only person who can legitimately use Twitter... She needs to have words with her boy, Seth Rollins, because Seth Rollins fucking hell needs his Twitter password taken off him. Jesus Christ. But honestly, you look at Becky Lynch, where she was in 2018, especially the start of 2018, to where she is now, having headline WrestleMania, having beaten Ronda Rousey, having been Becky Two Belts, and now being the cover star of WWE 2K20. I don't think there's any arguments that she should be on this list and this high. Chris? No. I love Becky. She's great. Um, like it's very hard to have a great match from the WWE Women's Division because it's so rare that there's good stories. <laughs> like most of the stories, it's first ever women's this instead of hey, these two women have a legitimate reasons to fighting because you know WWE are more is more PR than company at this this point. But when I saw her at the uh, at SmackDown House show in November. Last year, she was the most over person on a show with Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and all these other amazing people. Like Nakamura, Jeff Hardy, what have you. And that's just testament to how fucking good she is. She, her charisma carries over everywhere. And you're right, she's the best at Twitter. Like, for, for some of the clapbacks she always has is absolutely amazing. Like, earlier this year, when she was just like, when Ronda Rousey liked her own tweet, which is something everyone is guilty of. <laughs> but when Ronda Rousey likes her own tweet and she went, hey, ro- ro- pass it on, Ronnie likes her own tweets. That's great. 
And also, I, I know this is last year, but when she was having her interview with Edge, and she went, um, I don't hate myself. I love myself. I'll get out my ring. Don't you hurt your neck again on the way out. <laughs> it's just like, it's clearly, it's clear a lot of her promos aren't scripted. Like, she's yeah. just allowed to talk, which leads to really good promos, funnily enough. Clear some, some of them were intended, like, quite heelish, but they mm. just came off as badass. You know, I, um, have you ever, have you, I think it was a promo for Shimmer years and years ago, and she's just being proper Irish. She's calling <laughs> them, like, a knacker. It's like, yeah, so stop your fucking filthy knacker. It's like, I really wish she'd bring that into... Um, well, although she does sometimes save Seth Rollins on Twitter. That's how good she is at Twitter. Like, Seth will say something, and then she'll then you just, just come... see, You can just see the face palm. Yeah, oh, and it's and it's weird because like Seth Rollins has like anti charisma as a baby face, so Wait, like yeah. she does she they're putting them together basically to prop him up. Like she's definitely the most talented one in that relationship. I love, I, I in fact, um, I would have preferred it to be just Ronda versus Becky, at Mania. Like Charlotte doesn't take away from it, but you know what I mean. Like a big one on one match feels bet bigger than a big triple threat match, but she's great. She's always been great, and she's finally, and the last year or so, she's finally gotten to because it's like last year's SummerSlam where she finally got her shit in. So I'm really looking for, I'm really looking forward to seeing what she can do when they stop putting her on both brands because she's really oversaturated. A bit. But she, if she wasn't so oversaturated, she could have been higher, and that's coming from three people who don't watch WWE week to week. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I was looking at something. Um, I think. We talk about Becky's Twitter, um, Twitter game and a promo game, and I think that's been 90% of why she has been so good. And this last bit is, it sort of encapsulates that. The New Year's Day edition of SmackDown, where John Cena had made an unexpected, well, I say unexpected, <laughs> it was uh, it was widely announced before the show mm-hmm. that he'd come back and um, he'd argued with Becky Lynch. And Becky Lynch came out with this line. And if you have a problem with that, John Cena, Nikki Bella won't be the only woman that's dropped you this year. Now that, <laughs> that is absolute fire. That's amazing. That's straight fire right there. Um, that's, the be- that's the best joke since the one we got edited out the podcast a few months ago. No, it really is. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Becky Lynch, number four on our list. Absolutely 100% deserves to be there. Into the top three now, and we have number three, another WWE main roster person, Kofi Kingston, the current WWE champion. I mean, do I really have to explain why the man's on this list? For God's sake, he's the first Afro-American champion. Um, He had absolutely stellar bouts at Elimination Chamber, WrestleMania, which was the best match on the WrestleMania card by an absolute country mile. Um, I mean, he's had gauntlet matches, which was stellar. I think he's had two. Has he had two gauntlet matches now on SmackDown? Which yeah, I mean, all been gauntlet brilliant. matches will just will just never be as good again. <laughs> and you look at that lead up from Kofi. So you're looking at just before Fast Lane, where Vince McMahon comes out and literally goes, "Nah, you're not uh, <laughs> taking on. You're not taking on Daniel Bryan. Kevin Owens is." And everyone went, "Fuck's this old man lost his mind." And then that lead up, basically from that moment until the SmackDown before WrestleMania, when the New Day had that amazing tag team gauntlet, where the Usos just came in and went, we forfeit, and walked off. 
that entire <laughs> lead up is the best series of WWE programming this year. Definitely. Absolutely. It it's not safe competition, but it's great. It, in a good year, it would be considered really good. To be honest, for me, it just proved that the WWE can still produce compelling storytelling because I found myself... No. The last time I cared about Kofi Kingston was when the man spoke with a Jamaican fucking accent and was being punted in the head by Randy Orton, um, being called stupid. But Which this, have, um, which have been bringing back as well. Like, Steve, stupid! Well, it's Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton at SummerSlam, isn't it? Which, yeah. So they brought that back up. But that entire thing just got me... I was completely on the hashtag Kofi Mania train, completely. And everything they did with him from step one, you know, I know that everything that happened with him was supposed to be Mustafa Ali, so I'm sure he's very bitter. Um, <laughs> even though he seems to be, like, the nicest guy in the world. Oh, have you seen him on, like, Twitter? Someone insulted his wife. And he was, like... He, and instead of, like, just shouting at him because, you know, he insulted his wife, he just went, dude, do you really want to be that guy shouting at people in hairdressers? <laughs> It's like wow, you're trying to you're, you're you're the only person who will try to reason with a racist. I love you. Someone someone a teacher emailed him and well messaged him on Twitter and just said, "I'm just asking." Massive fan, blah 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 blah. Her profile picture was a picture of him and her, and uh, she just said, "Look, because you've got more Twitter followers than me, is there any chance that you can retweet this?" I'm working in school for underprivileged kids and we can't afford the supplies we need, so we forwarded her her wish list off Amazon and basically just asked Mustafa Ali to to retweet it he messaged her about 10 minutes later with a snapshot and just went i bought them all for you hope the kids enjoy them i was like oh my god um, i love you he's a very charitable man like it's incredible because he's clearly just been waiting to earn money so he can give back which i love he's clearly one of the nicest people ever anyway this isn't about mustafa ali kofi kingston i mean that moment (laughs) that culmination when he hits trouble in paradise on daniel bryan pins him and becomes champion yeah just there was genuinely a tear in my eye i knew it was, it was going to happen no it's weird because wrestling is the one i've said this before and i'll say it again wrestling's the only storytelling medium that moves in real time so we've not been watching kofi for what for 10 seasons we've been watching kofi for 10 years and it's super weird because at the beginning of the year he didn't even have like the best kofi spot in the rumble like, which was just odd. Like, I think everyone was a tiny bit down on Kofi. And then, like, six weeks later, he was the biggest thing in all of wrestling. It's, it's when he had those matches and people actually thought, and, and the, the let him wrestle, it was like, shit, he is actually a fucking good wrestler. And I think been him- just sitting there for all this time, just biding his time. And I think that that's something that sort of rung with people as well. It was like, he's never complained. He's never hit out, he's never left, he just does his thing, has a laugh with it. I mean, the New Day, arguably the biggest sort of faction that they've had for a long, long time. And then, he do- I mean, when he won that championship, I think it was as much sort of happiness as it was relief he won it. And everyone was ha- like, oh. <laughs> I'm happy they've actually given him a run. Like, they've not given him good opponents, but they've given him, like, a longish run. And, like, I yeah. imagine he's going to retain at SummerSlam. I don't I really hope Randy Orton is the fucking champion again. Jesus Christ. But he's d- worked really well with what he's had. Like, he had a decent cage match with Ziggler, but, you know, Ziggler can fuck off. He's also um, grand, grandson champion as well. Yeah, what I love about Kofi, though, in his whole build-up, he didn't cut a promo. <laughs> 
Well, it was uh, like Big E, wasn't it? In the, Big, yeah, the and like he, he basically built a whole WrestleMania feud off of, his, off of his big sad eyes. And to be fair, he has really good big sad eyes. He has very, very good sad eyes. Yeah, very much so. I think I think the New Day really helped him because there's all... I mean, especially with WWE, there's always that thing in the back of your mind. It's like, so when are they going to turn on him? And they never did. All the way through, they were all backing him. That, that was, like, good. That was refreshing. Actually, Quick thing, never watched an emotional wrestling moment while messaging Garth because it would just go, someone's going to turn on someone in a second. It's like, fuck you, Garth. <laughs> hey, I'm hardwired into that shit now. Thanks, Vince. <laughs> um, that moment that he takes the belt, you've got everyone watching backstage. You know, it's it's just such a cathartic moment. It's brilliant. The entire lead-up has been fantastic. Yes, okay, he hasn't had the greatest opponents. I mean, he's had Samoa Joe. Yep. Yeah, hang on. Where did he fight Samoa Joe? It was extreme rosy for Joe. To be fair, when was the last time Joe had a classic match? In WWE, probably Baron Corbin yeah. at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Uh, no, actually, to be fair, <laughs> it's, it's one with Balor and Nakamura, to be fair. But fucking main roster Joe. And it's not even that Joe's not trying, but like he's sort of past it now, or he still feels legit. He isn't the Joe of old. I think he's it. just not really... I mean, when has he ever been given a match? Longer than 10 minutes. Yeah, to be He's fair, never given time. He was given that True, fucking Reigns abomination at Backlash. It's very, it's, it is or very true. Either that or he ends up just injuring people. Well, the, pro- <laughs> the problem is he's going to be, he's being booked like Bray Wyatt. He's got all the amazing promos. You know, he's absolutely sensational on the mic. I would literally, <laughs> my ringtone would be, if possible, just Samoa Joe talking. But... I, I fucking love Samoa Joe because he actually feel like he, he, you're scared he's going to kick your ass the whole time he's talking but also what he's saying is like when he came out and just ran down everyone in the elimination chamber before Ali got injured and he he was just fucking going around and he was like Jeff Hardy tries to talk and he's like hey Jeff pretend this isn't an amazing and shut up while I'm talking to the group <laughs> ran down everyone and like you could see Randy Orton trying not to laugh and then he just went to AJ and went so AJ how, tell me the truth how's Mindy doing he's just he's, <laughs> but then he can't back it up in the ring because he's dealt losses which is where people lost credibility with Bray Wyatt it's absolutely ridiculous because he is He's the most cred- he's the most legit feeling person on the roster, despite all of his losses. Okay, hypothetical question time. Kofi Kingston retains against Randy Orton at SummerSlam. Do we do we all have that in our predictions, which will go up on Twitter, by the way, guys? I have it in mind. Yeah, I've got it in mind. Garth, do you think Randy Orton takes it, or do you think Kofi takes it? I think Kofi's going to keep it. Okay, so all three of us have got Kofi retaining. Looking at yep. the SmackDown roster now. Who do you have taking that belt off Kofi? Because in my head, wouldn't Roman it be... Roman Reigns when they go to Fox. <laughs> True. Well, I'd love it to be Mustafa Ali. Because you look at the story art then from the Elimination Chamber where he was taken out with injury. Kofi takes his spot. And then we come full circle now. And you can't tell me that Kofi Kingston and Ali wouldn't put on an absolute clinic. Well, lads... Well, as we all know, WWE has been bringing this person to the performance center, and I think we should just jump them to SmackDown, get it over with, Sasha Moth Martina to take the WWE Championship. You think Sasha Moth Martina <laughs> is going to take the WWE <laughs> well, Championship from Kofi Kingston, do you? What, what a love. You, you two don't know if I'm joking or not. <laughs> I, 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 
Kofi Kingston at three, anyway. Um, Garth, <laughs> who do you think would be uh, decent to take the belt? Um, I mean, who's who's even in that fucking picture? I mean, Daniel Bryan? Potentially. Do it? You've got Reigns, you've got Cesaro, Alistair I mean, Black. I honestly, honestly think they're going to keep Reigns until, like, the TV. I think they'll keep him and he'll be the first champion to win on TV or something like that. Do they change the first week in October? Yeah. What if Big E turned heel? I would, I would be behind that. That would be sensational. I'd love that. Kofi versus Big E. Oh, Big E's so underrated. He could be he's on so this good. list just for his promos and just his weird jiggly butt. <laughs> and his splits. Oh, he's sp- oh. Um, Maybe Finn Balor when he comes back from his little jaunt. Oh, hey, Finn Balor's in SmackDown now, isn't he? Yeah, but he's, he, gonna get, he's going away for a while, isn't he? He's going to get I the guess... absolute living piss being having by Bray Wyatt, isn't he? Oh, oh, yeah. but, by the way, did you have you did you guys see that photo of Finn Balor posted with his brother? Yeah, but like yes. his brother looks like Finn Balor if Finn Balor was in Trainspotting. <laughs> <laughs> We've managed to get wildly <laughs> off the pro- off the uh, subject of Kofi Kingston here, but Kofi, Kofi Kingston, Kingston at three. We move on to number two now, the top two best pro wrestlers of 2019. Number two, Johnny Gargano. Now, this man's technical acumen is pretty much unparalleled in NXT. The man is a wrestling god. You look at the amount of five-star matches that WWE NXT have managed to put on, and he is in all of them. And that's, you know, that's not by fluke, the man is just that good. And it's not just a case of how good he is in the ring, which he showed against Ricochet um, take over Phoenix, which got four and three quarter stars from Meltzer. But then you look at his matches with Adam Cole, which got four and a half at New York and four and a quarter at NXT TakeOver 25. But then you look at his character work. You look at that story arc where he was teasing with being a heel, then he became a heel, then there was the redemption storyline against Champa. That entire feud with Champa, his storytelling ability and his in-ring ability all moulded into one of just created, basically, sounding like a mark now, almost the perfect wrestler. Because people yeah. absolutely love him, apart from when he's against Adam Cole, because Adam Cole is the most over person in the world, so he becomes the de facto heel. But <laughs> he's an incredible wrestler. If he only became just maybe a smidge, and this might just be a personal thing, if he became a smidge better on the microphone, this man could be WWE champion. I mean, he won't be, because they'll put him on 205 Live. But he could be, with his skill with his technical acumen, with the stories he can tell in ring, from his ability to be a natural babyface, Seth Rollins, <laughs> he could be the next big thing on the on the main roster. He's just that damn good. He's like he's the forever underdog. Uh, like Rey Mysterio. The only problem is he would have to be booked like like the Rey Mysterio side of thing because when he was in the Royal Rumble, he looked so small. And that sounds horrible, but he looked so out of place. He did. He did. I forgot and he was I in think, the Royal Rumble, to be perfectly I think honest. That's, I mean, he had, fair, a, he had a good showing. He had a good showing in the Rumble, but he just looked so small. And, I mean, the, there was a sort of ill-fated temporary promotion to Raw. That was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was a weird couple of weeks, that. 
Um, where, where they just had him go for the revival. Here's the thing, though. He survived being on Raw for two weeks, which is more than we can say for the War Raiders. But... <laughs> what, Alistair Black? Oh, Alistair oh, Black. Yeah. Oh, fucking EC3. <laughs> Spud. Um, oh. I mean, I suppose oh, at least... I suppose at least Gargano sort of managed to go back down and like win stuff. <laughs> yeah, Gargano is one of those people who makes wrestling look effortless. Yeah, like um, you, when you think of people like that, you think of like a Shawn Michaels or a Kurt Angle. Like those are the two biggest when it comes that come to mind when in terms of just making it look effortless. Like they never look like they're even trying, but they're still amazing. And, like, he's in that tier. He's in, like, that god tier in terms of work, right? Um, I kind of agree with Rob when it comes to his promos, though. Um, but yeah. I will say it's very hard to be really good talking about um, being that white meat baby face. Like, I will say on the indies, when he was, like, allowed to be a dick, he was a great dick. Like, just the best dick. But, phrasing. But... <laughs> Um, but the fact that like his mat, he, he's had three amazing, all three of his takeover matches would could be in someone's top ten, and I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like the fact that um, I don't think it's much of Ricochet top, got into any of our top tens to speak to how good Gakano is. <laughs> in terms of like, he can have amazing matches and doesn't even make it in, and just ah, he's. He's he's like a perfect wrestler if you're anywhere but WWE because WWE is just a living worst and I hate it. Uh, but no, his matches with Cole are probably like on like an objective work rate level the best NXT I've ever seen. They're not my favorite. What uh, the one from twenty five probably cracks my top five. The five star quarter one was that that wasn't the two out of three falls match, was it? Not the two out of three falls, no, because the two out of three falls one was killed by the fact that Walter and Dunn killed it for me early in the night. But <laughs> yeah, it was it was a long night of good wrestling takeover New York. Yeah, like and it was only five. It was only five matches. Exactly. Well, Gargano's matches this year, he's had. NXT TakeOver Phoenix, where he battled Ricochet. We gave that 10 stars. He had the match against Adam Cole at TakeOver New York. We gave that 10 stars. And he had the match at NXT TakeOver 25 with Adam Cole. And that got 10 stars. (laughs) On Saturday, he takes on Adam Cole in what I believe is a three stages of hell match. Brilliant. I have have a wild theory. Well, let's be honest. I'd be amazed if that doesn't get ten stars. I have, I have a theory. I love you know how Regal, you know how Regal is um, picking the third, um, f- the third fall. Yes. Why if he makes it a triple threat with Champa? He's gonna. Do you think he's oh, going I, to? I that think be... either that or maybe Champa comes back as a face and saves him from undisputed. And he makes it some sort of tag match. The, the fourth part's like a tag match or something. I'm trying to think what Regal would do. Because Regal, unless it's war games, he's not going to book a gimmick. Like, it's not, it's not like he's going to come out and suddenly, like, it's a Viagra on the pole match. Go nuts, lads. I don't know. I think <laughs> either, Britt, either, Britt, either Britt Baker or Candice LeRae is having a good night tonight. 
Champa put something up on his Twitter. He did, yesterday. yeah. They did say he was going to be out for 14 months, though, mate. You don't come back from a neck injury as bad as Champa's is in, what, for, unless unless it was just a Yo, work. You're John Cena. Well, unless, unless it was a work. I mean, I mean, we have... Uh, it might not even go to three falls. Can you imagine the anti-climax if it was just... Go, go, go. <laughs> That's I would love them. Call I, on the first I, I can only think of twice that's ever happened and it was awful both times. The Usos was one of them. The Usos with Gable and Benjamin and also Cesaro versus Ziggler at Hell in a Cell 2014. Yeah, they, they are pointless two out of three falls matches if that's going to happen. But, I mean, I imagine the NXT TakeOver Toronto match is going to be another 10 stars. I can't wait for that main event. And it's the third time in three takeovers we've seen Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, which pays testament to just how fucking good they are. I'm, I'm, I'm not bored of it. We no, want to see um, more. Exactly. I'm a of it, although I will say NXT's taken a weird down, like because they've started doing a weird thing where they put the tapings in different order. So like, you have fans chanting for saying we want a triple threat after they've announced a triple threat on TV. Mm. Mm. Yeah, like, that's not the workers' fault though. No, like literally, any problem with NXT right now is the workers' fault. But cut like even NXT UK, they cut it up in weird order. For example, um. In the way the tapings were ordered, like the Walter Dunn match and the triple threat and the six way match, which would be best matches of both nights, um, went on last. But for some reason, we put the tag matches on last and the fatal four way on last. And it just makes no sense why they would do that, really. No, true. Like, especially when like it means you have a very inconsistent crowd throughout the whole taping. Yeah, I suppose, because they'll be up and down, especially if you've got a match and it was the last of a, you know two nights of a taping. Mm-hmm. No, then... exactly. But maybe that's why we put it on earlier. So, like the the triple the six man match, which is obviously more important, got a bigger reaction. But also, like it would probably get that bigger reaction anyway because it's fucking Imperium versus British Strong Style. So true, true. Gargano at two then, which leaves one man at number one, and this should come as no surprise to anyone. Tai Chi. That, that Tai Chi is nowhere near this fucking list. Um, <laughs> wouldn't even let me put him in the honorable mentions <laughs> mate you look at who we've put in honorable mentions he doesn't come near to them if Okada isn't in our fucking mentions Tai Chi isn't I don't know like for some really good matches with Ishii one match with Ishii does not a top 10 two. man make um, two really good matches with Ishii we move to number one then and of course it's Will Ospreay it, it couldn't be anyone else the man Unless you got to put Gagano on top. Well, yeah, exactly. This, I've seen more of his matches, though. This man has been completely unparalleled this year. Just He's a couple a of statistics. Machine. Just a couple of statistics this year. He is the first man to compete in the best of the Super Juniors, the New Japan Cup, and the G1 Climax in a single year. He has had a five-star match with Dragon Lee at Dominion. He has had a five and three quarter star match with Shingo, a five and three quarter star match against Okada at the G1, a five star match with Ibushi at the G1, a five star match with Bandido at the best of the Super Juniors, and a four and three quarter rematch at the at WrestleCon. Well, even though they were the other way around, but it doesn't matter. He then had a four and three quarter star match in a a match that gets completely forgotten under his just the amount of matches he has with Pac at RevPro. He then had an absolutely incredible match with Rocky Romero at the best of the <laughs> Super Juniors. 
He's also had um, a great tag series with Aussie Open with Paul Robinson in progress, which definitely went under the radar just because of how much good wrestling he's done. Osprey this year is the Omega of 2018. Of 2017, well, <laughs> that's how good he is. He is every bout that Osprey goes into you are thinking, fuck, this is going to be amazing. And you know the thing that has helped so much, and it's the thing that I know Garth hated about him, he sells better and his story is so much better. If his back is fucked, he doesn't do the Stormbreaker. Does he it, still have that cheeky Nando's kick? He doesn't use it really now. I think he's used it <laughs> twice in the G1. Well, well, to be fair, can you imagine if he tried to do that? To like Lance Archer, kill him, or Fale. Like imagine trying. I don't think Fale can bend that far. I think he. I think one of the people he did the Chicky Nando's kick to was uh, was Farley. Um But really, I, I think so. I can't. I can't remember. It's it's been a long G one. But the like, ma- it must have involved like police or something. Like Farley the puppet. <laughs> His selling has improved exponentially. He sells properly. He doesn't just make weird gorilla noises anymore. I mean, everything. I mean, he, he still does, makes for weird gorilla noises. He does, but it's it's needy. His match against Kenta, for example, his last G one match, he not took a double stomp to the chest. I'm not going to ruin the finish for you. Don't worry. He took a double stomp to the chest. He's the only one that sold it, wheezing as though it's basically crushed his rib cage, which it would do. He sold it properly, and he was selling it for ages. And it's, it's been a spots. massive, massive improvement in Osprey's game this year. And can I just point out that we haven't even mentioned his Wrestle Kingdom 13 opener against Ibushi, which was fucking amazing and now doesn't crack a top 10 of Osprey matches. Never mind fucking matches of the year. It doesn't crack a top 10 of Osprey matches. The fact that he overcame some really bullshit booking in the Rev Pro pack match says a lot. Like CCK coming in the middle for no fucking reason. That spoiled that match completely. No, yeah, that's the thing. I thought it, it made no. Like, I think it's the only reason it's not 10 out of 10. The fact that they managed to get a 9 out of 10 out of a bull. Like, because it went to a fucking draw, didn't it? So they really didn't need yeah. the bullshit like, interference. Yeah, but the fact is, Osprey, he's untouchable right now, unless you're Seth Rollins and you just got a fucking, you just go on Twitter one <laughs> day. Wage and, packet. Yeah, and you're just like, <laughs> hey, hey, little Sorry. fucking Mark. It's like I, I make more than you. It's like, yes, Seth, well, I know how to sell. So up you, um, whack your wage packet on the table. I know. What should just do is put um put his uh again. Not, not that it really matters, but just say, hang on a minute, how many five star matches you had again? Oh. You know what? It's, you know what it's like. It's like if Justin Bieber opened his bank account to someone like Neil Young, because Justin Bieber probably has more money, but Neil Young is just the best at what he does. Has a credibility. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, is there anyone that touches Osprey? I mean, do be Priestley. Well. <laughs> 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 yeah, fair, yeah, fair play. <laughs> I mean, Osprey gave everyone in Block A, or was he Block? He was Block B, wasn't he? Of Block B and the best of the Super Juniors, their best match with. He was so good. Fail. 
He got he an so eight-star with... match out of Dookie. The, he was so good with Bushi that Kevin Kelly forgot to bury him for 20 minutes. Exactly. The man has rolled out classic after classic after classic, and it's not just flippy shit because he's not able to do that against the heavyweights. You know, he still has his, you know, root, his fa- you know, to coin a phrase, the five moves of doom. He still goes Robinson special, his pit bit cheerio and stuff like that. And yes, I hate that name. They have the wankiest names in the history of the world. But that shouldn't take away from Osprey. That match with Okada, I text you, didn't I, Chris? Mm-hmm. And just said, fucking hell. Just the story of this match was absolutely incredible. Because he had a match. He had a match with Okada in the New Japan Cup. And I was, it, it sort of dampened my expectations going into this because rather one of the New Japan Cup was really good. It was just like a mishmash of all their old matches. Like, because they've had five matches now. But no, this one was just great. Like, it, he, like again, his match with Jay White didn't even crack what we're talking about. And up until the G1, that was in my top 10 of matches of the year. Anniversary like, show. Yeah. The um, backflip into the powerbomb he started doing is just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Like, in fact, he does all these, like, what should be really convoluted moves, but does them so... Eff- like, in Zack Sabre Jr.'s... His match with Zack Sabre Jr., he did that springboard... Um, flipping knee thing. I don't know. I forget what it's called. Um, but he did it out like from a kneeling start out of nowhere from halfway across the ring, and it's from, and it made me pop. And it takes a lot to make someone who's watching every D one match pop. So genuinely, o- Osprey's G one could quite easily be a top ten on its own. I'm trying to. Okay, so what's his matches? So yeah, ZSJ Abushi. Archer. Oh, we forgot about the Archer match. His Archer match was insane. The opener to the G1, absolutely sensational. His worst yeah, match has think... been, genuinely, well, aside from the Bad Luck Farley one, which you've seen <laughs> well, now, yeah. right? Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's bollocks. Ended with a fucking disqualification. But aside from that, his worst match has been a seven-star match against Kenta. So... If your worst G1 match is seven stars and your baseline is eight, that's fucking unreal. When, On a regular basis with a fucked up neck. When you think um, of how the G1 started with Archer and Osprey, when last year they, start, they literally started with Makabe and Yoshihashi. I know, but I miss like, Suzuki. I, I do miss Suzuki, but uh, like they could probably take Farley out and throw Suzuki in there. I think that's probably what they'll do next year. The, you've never thrown someone else in Bullet Club. Who is the Tonga Tama? They won't put him back in now, surely. No, like you'd think, but like look at what Farley. Yeah, does. But... look what you actually. Suppose... They'll probably, probably add someone. Like, yeah, they're starting to put juniors in G1 now. By the looks of, well, they say that they put juniors in before, but like they've never had like I don't I don't can't remember the last time we had two juniors. I don't want to say we've never had it because I don't want to pretend to be a history of everyone who's ever been in the G1. The difficulty like, is, Chris, you look at Bullet Club, or you look at the entire junior division, okay, mm-hmm. as a whole. Osprey and Shingo, Garth, you said it when you first saw Shingo, you were like he was so unlike everything in the junior division, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. And he is. He's not a junior. Osprey, I'd reckon, isn't a junior now by, well, no. by a long way. Every other junior, with the exception of maybe Show, is a junior 
And I mean, you said Bullet Club. You look at them. Ishimori. Ishimori's muscly, but he's still he's small. He's a junior. Phantasma would get broken in fucking half. Could you imagine Phantasma <laughs> against Lance Phantasma Archer? Phantasma is quite the small man. If you if Lance Archer hit Phantasma with a derailer, he'd still be going. I was about to say Eagles, but he's not in Bullet Club anymore, is he? Eagles is chaos, but even Eagles is, you know... I mean, who else, genuinely, from Bullet Club would you put in to replace Farley? You've got Hikuleo, who I imagine will have his time in the G1. Tamatonga and T- in- <gasps> Tangaloa have made it perfectly clear that they want to concentrate on tag team wrestling, which leaves Yujiro and Chase Owens. <gasps> Yujiro will never go back into the G1. He's too injury prone now. Yeah, and... I think Yujiro just really likes being a mid-card tag wrestler because he can just do the pimp thing and have fun. But um, And Chase Owens can fuck off. I don't know. I think Chase could potentially be someone who could pull out decent matches. We, uh, we say that, but every time he's given an opportunity to, he doesn't. Yeah, you do look at his US Championship match against Juice like, in New Japan. I'm not, being fu- I'm not being funny. Juice isn't someone who can ha- who tends to have bad matches. Especially not since the best of the Super Juniors final. Fuck me, his G one, no. Jesus. But who? Yeah, who the fuck saw that? Can't, we can't. We can't go into that right now. We'll be here all day. But um, it's... I think uh, with the Osprey thing, we said it when we were reviewing uh, Wrestle Kingdom. We said this is the year where he moves up the heavyweight and he's going to be fucking huge. And I don't think we ever thought this is he would be this fucking good. I think because. Well, that's it. we always knew Osprey was really, 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 really fucking good, but we never, because of his style, we never really bought him as a heavyweight, which is weird because he has like smittering throughout his indie career. He does have flashes of heavyweight Osprey. Like you look at his matches with, sorry, I'm going to go really fucking indie smart right now. I, um, like his matches with Jimmy Havoc in um, Progress, where there was a proper evolving story, which we've been seeing a lot with. Osprey's matches, especially his ones with Ibushi, or um, his matches with um, like Devlin when Devlin was younger, um, just starting to really break out last year, where um, he's shown he can elevate younger guys. So he's that we've seen flashes, but like this year has been like this big coming out party almost for Osprey because he he's just been on another. He's been on the Kenny Omega level, like Rob said at the top of this. He's been on that sort of level where people are shutting up and taking notice. And, like, he's... This is bad because it means, like, next year there'll be people going, Osprey was never that good because, you know, you always get those fucking fucks. But, you know... And the fact that he's doing this with, with, like, basically just himself is great. Like, I think he's just great. (laughs) I love him. He is. He's fantastic and just... He deserves... if 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 any time there was a person who deserve to be at the top of the top wrestlers list. Osprey deserves to be at the top of this one. There's no one... Osprey, if, you, if you're a fan and you're listening, <laughs> please send me merchandise. There was, <laughs> there's no one to touch him. There is no one to touch him. It's been absolutely phenomenal, and I can only imagine how his year is going to progress. But those are our top 10 wrestlers of 2019 so far, ladies and gentlemen. We'd love to hear 
why you disagree with us, because I imagine there'll be many people who disagree with us. If you think there's people that we've missed out glaringly, then please talk to us in the comments, on Twitter, on Facebook. You can find the podcast at, at Podmania on Twitter, at Podmania Podcasts on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, at Real Podmania, and the same on Instagram. You can find us on any podcast platform at all at all you can talk to us on uh, twitter you can find me at at real rob goodwin garth where can they find you at gothamania and chris where can they find you at candy chris 97 and don't forget <laughs> ladies and gentlemen that if you liked our star ratings you can check out the website where we've got a lovely library of events with our star ratings on them don't forget to check out the website as well for the entire library of our podcast thank you so much for listening join us next week on thursday for our next retro pay-per-view which will be SummerSlam 1994 the tale of two <laughs> undertakers which can only be described as fucking terrible thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you guys again soon you've been listening to the Podmania pro wrestling podcast follow us on twitter at Podmania, facebook at Podmania podcasts and youtube and instagram at real Podmania. And check out the website, podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Wrestling fans.